Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about a free three-act worksheet to help you structure your story. Whether you're a plotter or a pantser, a novelist or short fiction writer, this three-act worksheet will help you navigate your material and even begin each new story with a better plan. Download yours at nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. Stop getting stuck in the middle of your draft. Go grab this free worksheet, nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. You absolutely want to keep the reader in mind as you craft your dialogue, but to avoid expositional dialogue, focus on your characters and their motives, their individual motives. What's character A's goals and expectations in this scene? What's character B's goals and expectations? And how do they clash? Writer Unleashed is for you, a writer who has a story you want to bring onto the page and into the hearts and minds of readers. I'm Nancy Pinuccio, writer, editor, and writing coach, and each week we'll explore techniques, mindsets, and inspiration for writing stories readers can't put down. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. How do you make your story's dialogue more realistic without writing too much dialogue or extraneous dialogue? What my friend Roger Skipper used to call pass the meat and potatoes dialogue. How do you avoid having the dialogue sound stiff and unnatural and even cliche? How do you write dialogue that sounds natural and riveting? Dialogue is one of the trickiest things to master, and it does take practice. It requires pruning and drilling down to the heart of the conversation. That doesn't mean you need to be explicit. The best dialogue is driven by character motivation, and there's subtext. Just like our real-life conversations, people are rarely direct. So in today's episode, I want to flag three common missteps writers make with dialogue, and I'm going to give you a fix for each misstep. So let's get to it. Misstep number one, expository dialogue. In other words, this is dialogue written for the reader, meaning the characters aren't really talking to one another, they're talking to the reader. The dialogue is being used to feed the reader essential information the writer believes they will need in order to understand what's about to happen or what happened in the past. Sometimes the dialogue will give us backstory or something about the history of the character's relationships to one another, or the dialogue will be an attempt to feed information to the reader to prepare him for what's about to happen. This is spoon feeding the reader rather than allowing the reader to participate in the exchange. 
And this deflates all the tension from the scene. It takes away the thrill and the fun for the reader. You want to think of the characters as having a private conversation that the reader is eavesdropping on. A private conversation that the reader is eavesdropping on. You want to avoid dialogue that's crafted solely for the reader. Don't think of giving them information to understand the story. Rather, give the reader enough information to anticipate what will follow. Let me repeat that. Rather than use dialogue to feed information to the reader so they understand the story, give the reader enough information through the dialogue to anticipate what will follow. The dialogue needs to be crafted intentionally so that the reader forgets that they're reading and feels like they're eavesdropping on a private encounter. For example, in episode 112, we broke down a scene from Emily Robitaille's short story, A Portrait of Wildness. The two main characters are college student Ness and her godfather, August. The story's main action takes place at a dinner party at August's ex-lover Laura's house. And while they're waiting on the doorstep of Laura's house, we get a brief dialogue exchange between Ness and August. Now, here's an example of what not to do. How do you know her? Ness asked. Well, we used to be boyfriend and girlfriend many years ago when she was an artist and before she got married. We've remained friends. Now she owns a gallery downtown. Now, this sounds solely directed to the reader. It's just giving us information. And the reason this doesn't work is that it's giving away too much too soon. I would rather see tensions escalate between August and Laura as the scene continues. Now, I go into this story in more depth in episode 112, and I will link you up in the show notes. But in this scene, August is hiding something from Ness. He doesn't want her to know the nature of his relationship with Laura because he's using her to get Laura jealous, and he doesn't want her to know that. Here's the dialogue scene from the story. He rang the doorbell with his right hand and put his left on the small of Ness's back. You should know that she's extremely jealous, he said. How do you know her? asked Ness. We're old friends. She used to be an artist. Does she know you're bringing me? She made mean little sculptures out of porcupine quills. Now she runs a gallery downtown. Okay, so we learn who this woman is and we get a sense of the circumstances of August's relationship to her. He tells Ness he and Laura used to be friends and that Laura used to be an artist. We also learn a little bit later in this brief dialogue scene that she's married and on the brink of divorce, at least according to August. It's a brief dialogue exchange and it's really just a few lines, but before we meet Laura, we already know enough about her to set the scene that follows. We know that she's jealous, so we're intuiting what 
August is not saying that there must be been some romantic or sexual history between August and Laura. We also intuit that there's some friction between August and Laura. When Ness asks her godfather if she knows that she's coming to this dinner party, he answers with a non-answer. She made mean little sculptures out of porcupine quills. So that friction does indeed escalate as the story progresses. So any information you feed into your dialogue should be intentional. You don't want to give the story away or deflate the tension or use the dialogue to explain the story or explain the plot. Don't use the dialogue to do the heavy lifting. You want to think of the reader as a tertiary audience. You want to craft the dialogue for your characters and allow the readers to eavesdrop. This way, they can fill in what's not spoken. Part of the thrill of reading is intuiting what's not said. You absolutely want to keep the reader in mind as you craft your dialogue, but to avoid expositional dialogue, focus on your characters and their motives, their individual motives. What's character A's goals and expectations in this scene? What's character B's goals and expectations? And how do they clash? Sometimes it's helpful to think of what characters don't want to say to one another and then get at it a slant. Okay, on to misstep number two, extraneous dialogue. This is the pass the meat and potatoes kind of dialogue. And this often happens from a genuine attempt to make the dialogue sound real and believable. Now, even when there's a clear conflict between characters, there can still be a lot of extraneous dialogue that's not very interesting. So although you want your dialogue to sound natural and real, that doesn't mean that it's the same as real life dialogue. So banish this thought that in order to sound natural, it needs to be a transcript of what a conversation might sound like in real life. Story dialogue is compressed and it's shaped to the needs of your story and your characters vis-a-vis the outcome each character wants to get from the scene. You want to get to the heart of the conversation and don't be afraid to summarize all the preliminary conversations around it. This will help you avoid three to five pages of dialogue that bloats many stories and slows it down. So the dialogue should be more compressed than real-life dialogue. And don't forget to weave in gestures and body language, all that unspoken dialogue. Dialogue is not just what people say. Body language, mannerisms, actions, that's all nonverbal communication. In fact, we trust nonverbal communication more than spoken communication. We're always looking for how the spoken dialogue dovetails with the non-spoken. And when there's a contradiction between spoken and non-spoken, we trust the non-spoken more. But here's the thing. You want narrative speed with dialogue. Dialogue is action. So you want to avoid bogging it down with everything the characters say. Keep it tight. You don't need to write out every piece of dialogue that someone would say. Some dialogue can be summarized. 
Here's a great example from Jeanette Wall's memoir, The Glass Castle. Now, this happens early in the book. To set this dialogue between mother and daughter, the memoir starts with the narrator sitting in a taxi on her way to a party and seeing her mother rooting happily through a dumpster, picking up trash. So we learn that her mother's homeless. Now, she hasn't seen her mother in months. And when her mother looks up, she panics that she'll see her and call out her name and that someone on the way to the same party will spot them together and her secret will be out. So she slides down in her seat and asks the driver to turn around and take her home. So we come to understand how seeing her homeless mother rattles her to the point that she needs to go home put on some Vivaldi and settle down. Now she hates herself for ducking down in the taxi so that her mom doesn't see her. And she feels ashamed of the antiques in her house and her clothes and her apartment. So she calls a friend of her mother's and leaves a message. It's her only way of staying in touch with her mom, who of course is homeless. Now, we don't get the phone message conversation with the friend, just the fact that she left it and why. This is crucial because we need to understand how it is she comes to talk to her mother in the scene that follows. And here's where we get a summary of her exchange with her mom rather than the whole conversation. It always took mom a few days to get back to me, but when I heard from her, she sounded as always cheerful and casual as though we'd had lunch the day before. I told her I wanted to see her and suggested she drop by the apartment, but she wanted to go to a restaurant. She loved eating out, so we agreed to meet for lunch at her favorite Chinese restaurant. Okay, so notice we didn't get the whole conversation pit for pat. She summarizes the phone call with the friend, and then she summarizes the conversation with her mother that leads up to their meeting. She only goes into active dialogue when they're at the restaurant. Now, we'll get to that, so stay with me. So you can summarize dialogue. There's no reason to write out every piece of dialogue because that could become tedious for the reader. You want to stick to the essence of the dialogue, not the prelude to it. So it's okay to summarize. And also, don't be afraid to bring in body language, gestures, and nonverbal cues. Okay, on to misstep number three. There is no conflict between characters. Conflict is one of those terms that elude many writers because they think conflict means an argument or confrontation, but conflict just means one character wants one thing and the other character wants something else. It can be contentious. It can also be playful, but there's friction. They clash. It could be a clash in how they view the world. It could be a clash in values. It could be conflicting desires. So back to our mother and daughter in the glass castle. Here's how the dialogue continues after the summarized dialogue. She waved enthusiastically when she saw me. It's my baby girl, she called out. I kissed her cheek. 
Mom had dumped all the plastic packets of soy and duck sauce and hot and spicy mustard from the table into her purse. Now she emptied a wooden bowl of dried noodles into it as well. A little snack for later on, she explained. We ordered. Mom chose the seafood delight. You know how I love my seafood, she said. She started talking about Picasso. She'd seen a retrospective of his work and decided he was hugely overrated. All the Cubist stuff was gimmicky as far as she was concerned. He hadn't really done anything worthwhile after his rose period. Okay, so again, she summarizes all the throat clearing so we can get to the heart of the conversation. I'm worried about you, I said. Tell me what I can do to help. Her smile faded. What makes you think I need your help? I'm not rich, I said, but I have some money. Tell me what it is you need. She thought for a moment. I could use an electrolysis treatment. Be serious. I am serious. If a woman looks good, she feels good. Come on, mom. I felt my shoulders tightening up the way they invariably did during these conversations. I'm talking about something that could help you change your life, make it better. You want to help me change my life, Mom asked. I'm fine. You're the one who needs help. Your values are all confused. Mom, I saw you picking through trash in the East Village a few days ago. Well, people in this country are too wasteful. It's my way of recycling. She took a bite of her seafood delight. Why didn't you say hello? I was ashamed, Mom. I hid. Mom pointed her chopsticks at me. You see, she said, right there. That's exactly what I'm saying. You're way too easily embarrassed. Your father and I are who we are. Accept it. And what am I supposed to tell people about my parents? Just tell the truth, Mom said. That's simple enough. Now, what I love about this dialogue is the main character comes into the scene with a specific goal, to help her mother avoid homelessness. Why? Because she's ashamed. So she's trying to assuage her own shame. So her intentions, she wants to help. But mom is perfectly happy. In fact, she sees her homelessness as a badge of honor, a form of activism. So in any scene, think about what your main character wants and what the other character wants. Keep in mind that even two people who love each other can also be in conflict. All right, let's recap. Number one, rather than create dialogue directed to the reader, think of the characters as having a private conversation that the reader is eavesdropping on. The idea is not just to feed the reader information, but to create anticipation. Number two, don't think of dialogue as a transcript of a real life conversation. You want to get to the heart of the conversation it's okay to summarize any dialogue that leads up to that conversation. And if you want to make the dialogue sound more real, 
Interject it with action, gestures, even what your character thinks and feels about what's being said. And number three, build conflict into the dialogue. One character wants something that the other character doesn't want to or can't give. Okay, so I hope this episode changes the way you approach dialogue in your scenes and helps you craft it in a way that creates anticipation, not just information. Remember, dialogue is a practice. It requires constant pruning and rewriting to get to the heart of what's being said. So I hope you found this valuable. Thanks for hanging out with me. And if you know a writer who is writing their story or struggling with dialogue, I hope you'll share this episode with them. Just grab a link for this specific episode and text it to a friend. I think it could really help a lot of writers. Thanks for tuning in. And I will see you next Tuesday with a brand new episode. Same time, same place. Till then, keep writing and I'll talk to you soon.